What is going on, everyone? You have found the Mission Driven Made podcast where we equip and empower you with unfiltered fitness truth. Make sure you check out some of our free resources. Head over to missiondrivenmade.com, click learn, and there you can download our free nutrition myth ebook. On the episode today, we start with what is called a life section. And here we talk about how my garage almost exploded this morning. And of course, we had to bring up the Super Bowl coming up, which is of course the Rams versus the Bengals. Make sure you hang around for the second portion of the episode today, which is our fitness focus section. And here we talk about who gets lied to and manipulated by from the fitness industry, who gets lied to the most. So we're going to talk about that. Then we go over some simple tips to address muscle soreness and how to reduce it. Then we finish with a Q&A portion with the question of what are some red flags when you're hiring a certified personal trainer? All right, everyone, kick back, have a nice large cup of coffee and enjoy the episode. On, dude dude i wanted to tell you a funny story uh, a couple hours ago but i was like no i'm just gonna wait till we're uh, <laughs> on the podcast today i thought you would just laugh at this and i want to know if this has ever happened to you uh, do you do you have a garage at your house uh no we don't parking okay. spot i mean there's a parking garage but not a not a proper garage okay in uh long beach you, oh yeah you guys didn't have a garage there right you know i haven't had a long beach since i left my parents house in the suburbs <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, um, a garage. You haven't had a garage since then. Yeah. I mean, okay. A garage well, is tell like the me, best. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. Uh, so this morning, I went to open my garage. Okay, and as I was doing so, because I went out there, I was going to row in my garage because uh, since it's Cardio Wednesday, mm-hmm. and so I opened the garage, and all of a sudden it sounded like there was a little, little explosion. And at first, I just stood there. I was like, what is that noise? And then, like, Adeline came running out She because she thought something happened to yeah. the kids because they always are destructive. And so, anyways, I look, and there's all these little pieces of metal on the ground. There's this bracket. There's a wheel. There's this pin. There's nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, where did good. this come from? And it was right at the – right below where my garage door would be. Mm-hmm. And long story short, so I looked. The whole right side of my garage door – you know, which those things are what, like 10, 15 feet tall or whatever they are, just hanging down like this. Oh, that's good. And I, was like, and I was like, what just happened? So somehow, I'm not sure if the bracket was put in incorrectly, um, but the wheel that goes in the track of the garage door, right, that completely came out <laughs> and then everything basically just exploded. <laughs> oh, my like, God. What's going on? Yeah, so that was... Uh, that interrupted uh, my workout time, so it, it took like twenty or thirty minutes to fix. Because it's like I don't know how to fix this thing. It wasn't like complicated or or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I spent a little time fixing my garage door this morning, <laughs> so my rowing session was cut short. Sounds like though you fixed it, which is pretty impressive, especially descri- the way that you're describing it breaking. I mean, sound. I, I was. Uh, like okay so he just dealt with a garage door guy and dropped a bunch of money he didn't want to spend but you were able to put it back together huh 
Yeah, it was the Good. fix was pretty simple. I just all I had to do was look on the other side to see how the little oh. bracket was supposed <laughs> to go, and yeah, so I I did that, and I was like, please, I I don't want to have to like pay for someone to come fix this. Yeah. Edlene had to come out in the garage and help me. Um, she had to pull the little you know the little red tab. Um, to release the garage door. So she mm. she pulled that, so we kind of had to work together. So she actually helped uh, a lot with that. And it took like 20 or, or 30 minutes or so. But it is working again. But now every nice. time I open the garage, I'm going to feel like it's going to explode again. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So good old uh, good old cardio Wednesday. So how did, uh, how did training everyone go today? Well, it was good. I uh, I just had actually one session this morning, so we're recording this. Listeners, what is it? It's around eleven thirty. Oh, so I saw around noon. Um, so I just had one session this morning, but I train that person is about mm, half hour, twenty minutes, half hour away from me. Um, so while it's only an hour of training, there's you know two. It's a like really like two and a half hour, two hour you know excursion out into the world. Yep. Uh, which is nice in some ways because it's like, you know, I obviously have to charge differently to go to people because there's the cost. I got to charge for the cost of, that I'm traveling. I got to, you know, charge for gas and all that. Um, so when you look at it from that perspective, like life is good. You know what I mean? Like, like it's it's nice. I only had, you know, my one my one client this morning, um, but um, I worked for a couple hours basically you know what i mean i got paid for a couple yeah. hours worth of work which is nice so you know I'd, I'd rather be in um using that time you know have with clients back to back um but i don't know I, i'll tell you i really enjoy getting uh, to work out with people in non-traditional settings um that's grown a lot more since covid uh, out of necessity um but i'm really I'm enjoying being able to go into people's places. And, you know, what we talk about on this podcast a lot about meeting people where they're at. Um, there's not much, you know, you can't get much more where they're at than in their home. You know what I mean? Like, or, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Like, physically Literally. in their space. Literally meeting them there. Okay. You, you like train people at night better, though, don't you, than, like, the morning, if you had to pick? Uh, I do both. I mean, honestly, I prefer morning. I, I prefer to, you know, get up early, work a few hours, and then have my day to myself. But, you know, rarely does it work out like that. So, I, you know, when I say prefer, when I prefer I, you know what I really prefer? I prefer, uh, you know, making a, a living. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, that said, I spend a lot of times waiting tables and, and attending bar and uh, you know, shorter time working retail. Um, so, you know... I don't care where they want to train as long as they want to train. You know what I mean? That said, the broad range of time, whether at the night and morning, whether you're, you know, the different styles that you're working on, the different people that you're working out with, you know, there's a million shades. And the more shades that you can um, faithfully uh, guide, you know, as a, as a trainer, having that breadth is really helpful. And so, you know, it's a long roundabout way to say I like training in the morning and I like training at night. And it's funny because right now um, my sessions um, are kind of spread out. It's like, it's like, it's like, like I don't have any, well, I've got one day where I'm working like all day. Other than that though, I'm really, I'm working the morning and the evening, which is actually, it's funny because 
had you asked me that, you know, a couple of years ago, I might've been like, oh man, that sounds like a pain in the butt. <laughs> but like now that I'm doing it, it's perfect because I get to go, I train somebody, I, you know, I train one or one to three people in the morning. And then I train usually not three, usually just one or two in the evening max. But, you know, you, you, it fits in perfectly with like, I left a session, came here, I get to talk to you. Um, days that we don't get on here, you know, I get on to Twitch still and I'll do my Mr. Poopstring stream, which is oftentimes <laughs> me just working out. And, you know, I'm now that we're doing MDM, I'm doing a little bit more of, um, kind of a casual thing on my, on my main, or I really, I consider this my main Twitch now, but on my personal Twitch, um, the Mr. Poopstring channel, because, um, now that we're doing MDM and, you know, I, I don't really have to bring my professionalism to the Mr. Poopstring. <laughs> not that that's the best setting, you know, anything called Mr. Poopstring is not necessarily the best setting for professionalism anyway. Um, but, you know, I was bringing a certain level of professionalism to that because that was my content that I was putting out in the world right. solely for a while. Um, and now that we're doing this, I can kind of come do this with you. We can do, you know, we can talk business and have fun. But then I get to, when I go do my Twitch thing, like, so what I've been doing a lot lately is I've been using the time to, um, to craft our new, our craft, I sound like such a douche, uh, to make our new music, uh, or, you know, I've been working on theme, theme music. So that's kind of been what I've been, you know, been doing on, on Twitch lately, but, um, you know, it's nice. It gives me the opportunity. What, not that this was what I was trying to get to, but you know, what, I ultimately found in this moment, which is going to change because everything changes, um, is I found a really awesome way that I can make my life work for myself and, and make my program and my work work for myself. Um, and it, I don't think it's a coincidence that I am currently kind of grooving and like the most efficient, effective and healthiest I've been as an adult. I don't think, I don't think, I don't want to say that they're, you know, A, because, you know, B, because of A, but to to extricate them from each other would be pretty ridiculous to say, you know, especially as we're in a setting where we're talking about how discipline and habit and, and making your program work for you is so pertinent, right? Well, yeah, the, the trainer schedule, like you were talking about, I, it just brought me back to when I was in San Diego, I, I remember it was very similar to what you were just saying, mm. I, you know, wake up at four in the morning. I'd go, I'd walk to the gym because I didn't have a car in San Diego nice. for, I don't know, six months or a year. So I would walk to the gym, open the gym by 5 a.m., train a couple people, then I would work out, and then I would go home for the middle part of the day, like, I don't know, around 1 to 3 or so. Then I'd walk all the way back home, walk back to the gym, and then I would train people till. I don't know, seven, eight at night or something, then walk back home again. So it's just funny because I, I feel so many trainers have that schedule mm -hmm. where they're going somewhere, whether it's like how you do it or if you just tr go to a traditional gym, it's twice during the day. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's definitely not a, what's the word, conventional type of job totally. or, or hours. But I remember that experience was actually, it was pretty fun. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. It's a lot different than a normal schedule, but it was fun though. One of my favorite things about the restaurant business and when I was in it for so long was that, you know, you'd work the weekend and then Mondays was industry night and that there there's different levels of that being an official thing, but kind of unofficially across the service, the food service industry, um, 
the Monday nights are the nights where everybody who works goes out because everyone's working the weekends, right? That's the time that everyone's making the most money. Monday is oh. typically the day where there's the least business in restaurants. Um, and I really got accustomed to that um, idea of while everybody was off work and, you know, enjoying themselves and, and you know, doing their thing that I was working during that time. And then the other side of that is that when everybody else is working, I've got freaking everything to myself. Yep. Like, you know, there's that gym, there's that meme where it's like a, it's the sound of music lady and, you know, Julie Andrews. And it's like that she's in the hills, the hills are alive with the sound of music, you know, but she's like, she's, she's like spinning through the hills. And it's the, the caption is, you know, um, how I feel when the gym is empty, you know? Yep. <laughs> so like, I feel like that's just what my life became. And I, I was doing that for like almost, I think it was like 13, 14, almost, almost 15 years. So you oh, get really, dang, it was that long. Yeah, man. I started when I was, uh, started when I was 17. Oh, right. When you worked at, um, was the steakhouse the first place that you, yep. The steakhouse. Yeah. And when I was 17, the steakhouse. Right. So I guess I it remember. wasn't actually, I guess 13 years, I think is right. Because I got out, depends whether you consider my, my two year. So I ended my food service career in, at a Whole Foods. Cause I had, at this point I had no, like I, I knew that I was on my way to sobriety. <laughs> like I wasn't sober yeah. yet, but I was like, I need to get out from behind the bar because I'll never get sober while I'm working in the restaurant business. The irony is that I went to work, you know, selling alcohol at Whole Foods. <laughs> so ultimately it didn't, you know, I had to make another move later, but right. I had transitioned away. I, at this point I had recognized that I wasn't, um, I wasn't fit for the restaurant business. I just, my combination of my, um, who I am naturally and some conditions that I, that I've talked a little bit about, but, um, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think super linear, linearly. Um, That's a hard word to say. Linearly. linearly. Yeah. Right. You have to like enunciate. Linear. I can't even say it. Yeah. It's, yeah no, I know. I feel like the more that we talk about it too, the worse it's going to get. Like we're linearly. just going to Yeah. We'll just go with that. Right. But so I, I'm very abstract naturally in my thinking. And um, that has an advantage in personal training because um, the way that I present and pull stuff together, not only does the client not know what's coming, but because of the nature I like I have loose plans and then I solidify the plans kind of as it's coming. And because I don't really know specifically what's coming, there's definitely no way they know specifically what's coming. Right. So I've leveraged this kind of abstract thinking into an advantage in my current work. But as you can imagine, that does not translate itself to um, waiting on tables because waiting on yeah. tables is just so straight up. It's like you, you go talk to the table, figure out what they need get the things that they need, go talk to the next table. And because you're dealing with all these different tables, you have to kind of put them all together so that they fit all together. Right. It's a big puzzle that you got to work together. Anyway, I didn't know that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it, when that, when the main piece of that puzzle is bringing somebody water and you can't seem to get like half your tables water, <laughs> it's time to start thinking yeah. about a new career. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't know the industry Monday or whatever you called it. I didn't know mm -hmm. that was a thing. Industry night. But I, could not agree with you more about working the weekend and then having, you know, everything, everything to yourself, you know, at least during part of the week before I was with the fire department, you know, I was on the ambulance for 
you know, a good handful of years. And the first job I had as on an ambulance, my schedule consisted, I worked every weekend. And I remember when I would get off and have my a few days off during the middle of the week, I loved it because there was no traffic. I had the world to myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't so bad. Like, right. this is like actually kind of cool. So I remember um, I was worried at first, but I was like, no, this is legit. I love, especially the traffic. Cause that was, that was also mm-hmm. in San Diego you know, big city, tons of traffic. So that gets old very fast. So not having to deal with as much of it. And I just, you know, there's less people everywhere. So I, I was all about that. It's funny that you say it because that brings me to my favorite moment of like this that we're kind of talking about is actually not even the weather, like the Monday versus the Saturday or Sunday. It's actually more in line with kind of what you do every day and you're probably very used to. But that moment in the morning before all the cars on the road. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. That that sigh you just made, that's it. Like and I and I, I worked mornings for, for for many years. I worked nights most of my time, but I worked breakfast for a little while too. And and you know, it sucks to get up, but once you're up and like once you're on the road and like you're the only one out on the road and you just feel like, okay, I'm I'm getting my day going before everybody else and it's not about like oh i'm it's not about like oh i'm better than anyone else it's like all right i'm going we're, we're, we're getting this started you know what i mean and then a lot of times too you get done before everybody else so like win-win right dude the the morning is is something else i i love it the one of my favorite things when we move to the phoenix area so for the first couple of weeks um, so we live right outside of Phoenix, as you know. I had to drive into Phoenix like about 45 minutes away. I had to do that for a week or two. And so every morning I would leave, I don't know, maybe like 6 or 6.30. And there was barely any cars on the road. Mm-hmm. And, and I would drive through uh, the Sonoran Desert um, on the 303, which is, I think it's a, like sort of a newer freeway around here. I don't know. But anyways, it was right through the Sonoran Desert. The sunrise was happening, so I'm seeing all these hills and mountains mm. and cactuses and the sunrise, and I was like, this never gets old. And there's, like, no, no cars on the road. So that mm. that's, like, there's something about driving when there's no cars where it's just amazing, you know? See, I'm that's funny. I'm a little surprised that that, that is the – your like, that's the way you think about that because you lived in San Diego for a long time. So for some – so for me – I lived in Long Beach for about three years, and now that I don't live there, I'm always like romantic about how wonderful. Like I walked out of my house and I looked to the right, and there was the beach. You know what I mean? So I'm surprised that when you're talking about that feeling of like being out, you know, on the road in a quiet, like that moment, that you didn't immediately go back to San Diego, only because my experience was driving down that PCH on my way to work. Granted, that was at 3 p.m. and everyone was out and about. Um, was that it was it was kind of the opposite of what we're talking about very but very much in that same ballpark right of like okay I could do this you know like it's not so bad to drive a half hour along the beach to get to work right yeah yeah that's true it I remember when I would visit you guys in Long Beach so I I for the most part have never really been a fast driver but when <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that is that so my only knowledge like thinking of you as a driver. Actually, there's two things that make me think of you as a driver, and both of them are you driving fast. <laughs> yeah, so I, I promise you can ask anyone. Like, I, I really don't drive that fast. I literally just drive normal, whatever that means. But when I would go to Long Beach to visit you guys, because half of the time, 
one of you would text me at like nine or 10 at night and I'm in San Diego and you'd call me a wuss if I didn't come out to Long Beach right then. And half the time I just, I just would tell you guys, I'm going to come out to visit you, but it's like nine or 10 at night. And so I would try to beat my time getting there every single time. So there was stretches that I'll I'll admit I drove a little bit fast, but then again, you know, I don't, I don't like driving, you know, at nighttime anyway. So that was my excuse to get to you guys a little bit faster. I do remember that. And I remember, I remember we would also leverage, leverage that against you as we would wait until it was getting to dark time. And we will, dude, you're here. You might as well just stay the night and get up in the morning and go. And Jake would literally get up. Oh like he had God. to be somewhere like at like some kind of fire training, I think at like 5 AM and Jake would That's leave. That's when I was working as a reserve firefighter. Okay. Yep. So it was not even training. It was like legit, like you were working and you would drive away. It took you to to i mean I, I know you drove hella fast but it should that drive should take you like two and a half hours right long beach to, yeah, well i guess in the early morning maybe two hours so san diego it's depending on how fast you go and depending on traffic one hour and 15 to 130 but oh where, wow. so when i worked as a reserve firefighter so that was also before i worked you know as a paid firefighter where the station was it was out in the boonies in san diego county so oh. it was an extra I would say about hour or so from where I live. Like it was far out to the east. So it was an additional at least hour. So you just said like two and a half hours. That's probably most accurate. So I would leave. Mm. There's times I literally left your guys' place like at 2.30 in the morning yeah. to, to, to go to do the, the volunteer job. <laughs> oh, man. And we were okay, – so so granted, let me just give it the context of like saying, you know, we – we were, we are, and we were always the friends, like, you know, almost more like siblings in some ways, the way that we all like gave each other shit. Right. Um, and with that context, like, like we were, we were like viciously manipulative to Jake, like upfront, like he knew we were, he were it wasn't like we were being like secretive about it. We were, but we'd be like, we'd be like, like, be like, how can we like in front of you? Like, how can we get Jake to stay? And you'd be like, guys, oh, it, it was, to be honest, it wasn't hard. Like, I just wanted to like hang out with you guys all the time anyway. So I, yeah, I would have, even without the, the manipulation and the harassment by you three, I still, or you four, I still would have wanted to come all the time i see there was like the a few year period where i was i feel like i was seeing you guys at least two weekends a month or something i don't know i just felt like i was there all the time yeah it was great i mean it was it was definitely the point where i would wake up and you would be in the house and i wouldn't i wouldn't think there would be no thought about it be like oh what's up jake (laughs) you know what i mean like jake's jake's here you know um yeah man it's so funny how obviously life is life and you know it's easier to look at it through you know romantic shaded glasses now rose shaded you know, glasses now because you know there's always there was always darkness and you know downsides because it's life right but man that was so much fun oh yeah so hey, much w- want to hear a fun fact about it too which yeah. i don't know if i ever told you i love so to. obviously you guys like still had your schedules like some of you had to go to school or work or both right so mm-hmm. obviously i knew that going there so normally there would be a time of the day that I was just hanging out by myself. So I experienced for the first time in my life binge watching a show. I've ne- I'd never done that before. I didn't even know if that was really a term people said yet. So I experienced that at your guys' place for the first time. And I stayed up. You know, I'm not even a fan of – I hate staying up late. But I remember uh, 
I know I binge watched this at your guys' place. I can't remember if it was the first one, but I binge watched. I think it was The Walking Dead, and nice. there was a, a few others. And literally, I stayed up. I remember until like four in the morning, five in the morning, watching the show. And then you guys would go to work. I would take my little nap because I can't really sleep during the day, and then binge watch it again until you guys got home. <laughs> Dude, your nerves must have been shot after the however many hours. Although I forget, we're talking to you who like has deals with way has dealt with way more nerve-wracking things but for me dude if i were to watch what eight hours of walking dead especially right when it came out and then like went to bed and got up watch more like all I, that's all i would be thinking about like i'd be in my dreams like you know like jumping oh, yeah. from zombies or walkers or whatever oh the walkers that's right the walkers, <laughs> the walkers. dude did you uh did you watch any of the um championship games dude oh my god okay so last last ones we were talking about so by the way listeners jake and i are usually in some regards like texting or whatever you know about the game like breathe a little bit we try to save it most of our conversation for on air but um jake and i haven't talked touched you know haven't talked or texted about it yet but for me dude like i wanted i like i multiple times like i almost i was like almost texting you like i had it written down i was like no just just wait you know because we'll talk about it later because holy crap we were talking about these last games the 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 the, um, playoff games right before this round how they were it was some of the best especially quarterback centered football that we've seen in many years right um and my one complaint and you guys can quote me or you know can go back and check was that defensively and this is as a defensive player it was hard to watch because both teams and Matthew was out and both teams just got pummeled defensively right the these the the championship games were the exact freaking opposite dude the freaking defenses were insane dude they were it was like I'm as you can tell I'm getting jacked right now just like thinking about how awesome the defenses were <laughs> And, and on both sides, you know what I mean? It was not even like, it wasn't, they were both killing. And, and the offenses obviously were great, doing well as well, but it was a much more um, balanced game than last week's, or was it last week, two weeks, whatever it was, the last round of playoffs. So yeah, I, since we didn't text very much the last week, since, you know, I was gone, I was out of state, obviously. So I was actually in the airport, you know, flying back, about to fly back home. So I didn't get to watch any of the games, which I was very upset about. Mm-hmm. So I, I pulled them up a few times. I tried to pull them up on my phone just to see like a little bit. And then a few of the TVs in the airport were playing the game. So I saw, I would say a total of, I don't know, five minutes maybe. So I was watching the Chiefs and uh, Chiefs and the Bengals, and the Chiefs were up by, I don't know, maybe two touchdowns or maybe a little bit more, and it was going into halftime. So I was like, oh, the Ch- you know Chiefs are going to win. Yeah. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. And then right. I checked like when I got home. like That was one of the first things I did when I arrived in Phoenix. I looked at my phone. And I was like, I, I could not believe it. I have right. this like weird thing against the Bengals now. Like I, <laughs> I hate the Bengals because they got the Raiders out, and not in a million years did I think they would make it to the Super Bowl. Right. So now I just, of course, I I don't like them since they they did so good. But yeah, I I could not believe that that was the outcome. You know, like these two. Well, I mean, the Rams are legit, obviously, yeah. but I just I was very surprised. I did not in a million years think these would be the teams that were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, and so it's funny because I felt like I feel like 
we've been kind of living in this alternative reality the last few years. Like, uh, politics aside, when Trump was elected, things just kind of got a little crazier in terms of like, you know, everything got a little hotter, right? And again, I'm not trying to talk politically as much as at that moment, I kind of felt like we were almost like shifted into like this alternate reality, like where all of a sudden, you know, like the left and the right is we're heading down civil war path again, you know, which we fucking are. Anyway, it was, it was again, not to get into politics. The point of me saying this is to say that um, I um, completely lost my train of thought. I got so I got so focused on making sure that I wasn't bringing up the politics of it that I completely forgot what I was saying. You're comparing to something with the Super Bowl teams, but I don't. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Oh, thank you so much. So, in the last week's games, um, when Brady, when 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 the Bucks lost, when in that last moment when we thought that Brady, so let me even take it a little farther back. Once Brady got the ball at the end of the game, I'm like, okay, this is the way. Of course, this is the way it goes. When they didn't win, I felt like we snapped back into like the regular reality. You know what I mean? Like I saw all of a sudden, like oh, we're not yeah. in the alternative reality anymore. Cause, uh, cause in, in, in the reality that we've come to know over the last four years, Brady wins at the end, period. Brady just wins at the end. There's no yeah. ifs, ands or buts about it. So when Brady didn't win, I was like, holy shit, we just shifted back into the real reality. And <laughs> Like that's, I feel like that played out in this last round of games as well because the Niners lost in the last minute, and uh, this and the Bengals went on. You know what I mean? So like we're living, maybe this is an alternate alternate reality, but whatever reality it is, it's different from the one we were just in, where Brady wins at the end every time. You know? So <laughs> you're compared compared it to when Trump got elected. That's so funny. <laughs> I re I remember my first thought when um when that election was happening. I was like, can I just vote for nobody? Right. <laughs> right. Oh my god, dude. Oh, that that's so funny. But yeah, the the outcome is way different than I thought. So at this point, I just hope it's a really good game. That yeah. that's that's what I'm hoping for at this right. point because. Well, I guess you could say I don't necessarily care less who's going to win because mm -hmm. I hate the Bengals now, of course, because they got the Raiders <laughs> out. So I guess I'm voting for the Rams, but you know, or rooting for the Rams. But more importantly, I just want it to be a legit game that's really close. You know, that goes back and forth. That's what I hope at this point. See, I I kind of feel like the Rams, and and they already have been. I mean, they're already you know a storied franchise, right? I mean, they came from St. Louis with um you know with a with a couple trophies on the, they think they won like two or three times didn't they um, no i i actually i do not know how many super bowls they won i have no idea i gotta say i mean we know that warner won at least that one and i think there was a couple in there but point point my side is that um rams are kind of a big old team you know what i mean they're they're like they're they're definitely not especially the way although here's the thing we tend to think about the Rams and Cincinnati is even even a better example of this as being one way, but the teams we're looking at are not the team, not the same as like the image that I have of each of those teams. You know what I'm saying? Like right. perfect example is in my mind, Cincinnati was still basically Dalton's Cincinnati. And it wasn't until this championship game that I was like, Oh, I haven't been watching. I haven't been watching the Bengals. Like they're yeah. a whole different team. And I would even say that with the Rams because in some ways, especially now that they're in LA, um, they kind of, they have, they have what they need to get the people they need. <laughs> you know, these teams are not, these are not 
while we consider them underdog franchises, the players that are on the teams are and the teams that they've become are not underdog teams. Well, the Rams have, in my opinion, the best player in the NFL, which is Aaron Donald. That, that's just oh, yeah. my opinion, though. You can oh, make for an sure. argument for others, but he's inarguably one of. Dude, that that guy is insane to watch. He is probably the most fearless player in the NFL. I like if you ever watch clips of him, he's like choking someone out by the end of a play. Yeah. Like he he he's an it doesn't matter who it is. It, the person can be eighty more pounds than him, and he's obviously a big dude. Uh, I think he he's probably like 280 or something at least but you know he no one will mess like can mess with that guy he, he just chokes mm. people out I feel like he's like the younger more vicious Khalil Mack you know what I mean like like and I have to be honest with you my heart will always I'm I'm a Khalil Mack guy I'm a Mack guy you know what I mean like 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 for me and I'll even say there's a bigger conversation here. It's like Jordan and Kobe conversation. You can't really compare oh. jo- Jordan and Kobe because, you know, yeah. one came before the other and is you can't say it would be impossible to say that except for maybe Donald himself. It would be impossible to say that Donald had, wasn't influenced by Khalil Mack. I, I, I'd find any defensive player, any especially linebacker or defensive lineman, I find them hard pressed to say that they weren't influenced in some way by Cleo Mack because he was the guy he's been the defender for the last I don't know eight seven years right I mean he's maybe not maybe I'm extending that time but for a while he's been the guy and it wasn't until the last couple years that he kind of drifted off right and Donald just came in and was like oh I'll pick up that straight beast yeah yeah straight beast (laughs) dude he's like the uh HGH version (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. Little Mac. <laughs> right. Well, dude, you want to you want to talk some fitness? Yeah. You want to talk some fitness? You ready to talk Let's some fitness? Some fitness. So, you want to hear something I So, I've been formulating this observation for a while. So, obviously, we talk about, you know, some of the the wrongs of the fitness industry and you know, over years, how they've set some people up uh, not for success. You know, I don't want to paint the whole industry like a boogeyman, so I'm just referring to part of it, obviously. But I, I realized this recently, like, you know, with all the lies that are told, who's targeted the most? You know, who who is receiving, the, you know, the lies, the manipulation, the false marketing? Who is getting this out of everyone? And then I realized this was probably, I don't know, really last week or the week before where I really started formulating – um, not my conclusion, but like it started making more sense to me, right? And this is just the general population of people. So this is bad news because general population, I'm referring to the everyday person that just, you know, works out maybe a couple times a week. Um, but it's not like necessarily a huge part of their life, just someone that wants to stay in shape and be healthy. So, you know, over 90 percent of people would be considered, you know, the general population of people that like to work out. So they are the ones that are being lied to more than any other groups. Like for example, you know, so say someone is an athlete, the main person they're going to look to for advice in the fitness industry would be strength and conditioning coaches. So what I, what I started to realize was if you follow a specialty, like if there's any very specific niche or specialty within the industry, those people don't seem to get lied to quite as much. And so th- this goes for, it's not just, you know, strength and conditioning. This could be, say someone is, I don't know, an advanced power lifter. 
and they're looking to compete on the national stage and they want to become, you know, the, the elite level. So the person they would obviously turn to in the fitness industry would be, say, a powerlifting coach. When you get to specialties like this, you, you can't fake your way through it. You know, the, the information has to be legit. When it's the general population of people, someone might not understand that they're being manipulated or lied to. So the, this is the conclusion, or this is at least where I'm at uh, with the fitness industry and who is actually getting lied to the most. So it's, it's upsetting because it's a lot of people, um, but... Obviously, that's part of the reason we're doing, you know, this mm. podcast and, and we have this brand is we want to get the message um, to people, especially the general population of people uh, with truthful information. And it was just funny. Um, one of the reasons I really started thinking about this even more so and, you know, f- coming to the conclusion that I'm talking to you about today, a week or two ago, I was at the gym and I saw an advertisement um, on the wall that there was a this uh, TV and it was playing this like rotating ad and they were marketing some, it was some fitness product um, that you really don't need. Like the standard everyday person walking into the gym. I can't remember what it was. I, I feel like it was something like a very expensive heart rate monitor hooked up to this hooked up, whatever mm-hmm. it was, it was expensive. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, this right here, this specific uh, device, it's being marketed to everyone walking into this gym. And 90% of the people are here, like I was just saying, just to stay fit, stay healthy, work out a couple times a week, no big deal. And this type of stuff is marketed to them and presented like they need it. You know, like they need this device. You need this heart rate monitor. You're going to burn more calories if you have this monitor. So that's, I think that, that little ad that I saw at the gym a couple times, I'm like, I think... I think it's the general population of people that are, are really getting lied to the most. So that's just something I've been thinking about a lot lately. It makes a lot of sense, you know, when we start talking about groups of people who are educated versus groups of people who are not educated, you know, it's it's might seem obvious, but the, the people who are going to be um, more aggressively uh, marketed to are going to be the people who are uneducated because, uh, you know, if you can control or at least be the main influence of how person A thinks about subject Y, then you have the ability to really um, suggest to that person what is most advantageous to you. And what people do is they wrap it in the gift wrapping and saying, this is most advantageous for you, the listener, or you, the viewer. Um, when really it's, it's, you know, bullshit wrapping paper wrapped around a self-serving, um, you know, them just trying to get your coin in their coffer. Um, all the best, all the best people out here, all the best trainers that are providing information online for the most part are offering some kind of free value to everybody. Um, and you know, if, if you're wondering, you know, if, and I, don't, I hope I didn't stray off the topic too much, but you know, if you're wondering why, no, I can't, I didn't. Yeah. If you're, if you're wondering why somebody's saying, you know, you got to give me money to, or if somebody is saying, give me money so that you have the answers, you're already off to a wrong, bad start. Yeah. And this is also the same reason for me while when I'm like really skeptical, when I'm learning something completely new 
and say an industry or a field that I don't have much knowledge about. Now, for example, uh, about a year and a half ago, I started to, I wanted to learn more about real estate, like real estate investing, anything from wholesaling, flipping, all that stuff is something I was thinking about maybe doing in the future, right? So I was looking for information and I came upon this group in the Phoenix area, um, a real estate investing group. And basically it said, you know, like, come to one of our Zoom meetings. And then after that, if you like it, great, you can join our group. And there's going to be like, you know, a monthly membership fee, not super expensive. I'm like, no problem. Um, long story short, right? So after the meeting, I was pretty excited. I have a couple friends, obviously, you know, that do real estate investing. And at the end, it was basically like, you can't be in our group unless mm -hmm. you sign up for this course. Right. And the course, dude, I'm talking like 20 grand. Yeah. Oh, my and God. And so, you know, I, that was really when I started learning about like <laughs> the art of manipulation mm -hmm. and, you know, all that stuff or presenting people them for or was things they don't need basically. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not that you don't need it, but you, you know what I'm saying? So I, I was sitting there thinking and I'm like, I don't have the answer to this. Like right. if you get into this type of field or career or even do it on the side, it could be lucrative. Uh, so I'm like, maybe, you know, 20 grand is whatever. So I, I just remember thinking that, but I'm very happy. I called a few of my friends that actually have experience in, mm -hmm. in real estate investing. And they both said, absolutely not. Don't do that. Yeah. So what I've learned, seeing the fitness industry lie to mm -hmm. the general population of people over, the, over time, it's made me very skeptical across any field. So yeah. basically if I'm looking to learn something new, like I was in real estate, I really approach it in a different way. You know, I don't, I try not to let myself be sold, you know, cause real estate's really bad too for that type of thing. Oh, like yeah. the, the stuff I would see, oh my gosh, dude, it's, it, it's really bad. I won't get into all the details uh, on this episode. Maybe we can talk about it another time, but it's, it's re it can be really bad in that field too. So the fitness industry and the way they, you know, have lied to people in the past, <laughs> it's a uh, definitely open up my eyes to other industries. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just to emphasize that point um, and how widespread and accepted it is. Um, I had the same experience when I was getting into bartending. I, uh, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I was like, I don't know, a bartending school to go to. I was young. I was, I was, I, I was 20 still. So I was trying to get ahead of the game for when I was turning 21. And I was like, I had friends, I had friends who went off and like did these really cool bar, you know, this uh, bar school in like the city in San Francisco. And like, you know, same thing. They paid for the program. They X, what they did X, Y, Z, whatever. But what I did was I called, um, a friend of mine who, uh, it was a professional acquaintance and friend who was the bartender that I worked with for last years as a server. And she was like, yeah, don't do that. She was like, she was like, literally, she was like, buy a book, read the book and go work somewhere, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, it is so to the point of kind of even the work that we're doing here. And I, I, I hesitate, I'm hesitating because I'm not suggesting you just go out a layman, just go out and try, you know, to do, you know, all these advanced weightlifting techniques and everything. But for everybody, as you're going through your own fitness experience, learning that you need to take information from different sources and then do a secondary process where you figure out 
how that fits with you and whether that's the right direction for you is always going to come back down. Like no matter all the things we talk about, it always comes back to that same point of, well, how does that work for you? Is that furthering your progress towards your goal? And the reality is, is that going to bartending school for most people is not that for most people it's handing money over to somebody so you can play bartender and you, you learn things certainly, but you know, you can't compare being a bar back and doing all the stuff the bartender doesn't want to do for them. And then learning, having them teach you to going into some fake bar where they've got water in the alcohol bottles, you know, it just does. It's not the same thing. You don't learn the same way. I love that point you made. You said like go to multiple sources. I think mm. that's so important, especially if you're a beginner with something, mm-hmm. especially. So, you know, if someone has never exercised before, been to a gym or whatever, and you don't understand what to do and you're looking for information, whether that's to hire a trainer or you're just looking for information, you know, just for free on the internet, it, it's definitely good to go to multiple sources. Mm-hmm. So you, you at least can see something you know, from a few different angles and then to see if it's actually truthful, which is always the the goal. So the nice thing about going to different sources too, is that yes, you're going to have different variations from each of those sources. But when you gather enough sources, you start to find out what the real key is because all of those sources are going to have some shared element, at least the good ones. Right. So yeah, as diverse as they may be, you are firsthand learning what works not just for you, but works for each of these providers in their created program. Because if they're all using the same element, it's probably pretty safe to say that that's a successful element. Yeah, absolutely. In a second, Clayton and I are going to get to uh, red flags um, when hiring a personal trainer because we're kind of speaking about the same type of thing right now. We're going to get into that in just a second. But first, we wanted to go over one somewhat simple tip um, to reduce muscle soreness. So I know a bunch of you out there, especially the ones that like to get after it all the time and really push yourself, you notice that you are sore to where it is impacting your workouts the coming days. Now, the, the good news, and I've, I've actually seen literature on both sides of this, uh, but I have uh, read before, you know, in literature that soreness doesn't necessarily equate to like less power production. So that's a good thing to know going into, you know, uh, workouts that are, you know, days after that you're sore. Uh, but still, we don't like to be too sore. So here is uh, one very simple tip to help reduce this. Now, here here's an example. So say you train your legs one day a week and that one day a week you crush your legs and you do, we'll, we'll just say 20 sets for the sake of conversation. And you notice no matter what you do, every single time you get home, it's been a couple hours since your workout and you are so sore. You guys know what I'm talking about for the ones that have worked out your legs before where mm. it's hard to stand up from the toilet or from the couch <laughs> or whatever it is. So those type of workouts mm-hmm. and it, legs seem to, to do it for a lot of people. So instead of working out your legs once a week, now this can be applied to any muscle group. So instead of doing this, what we're going to do is increase the frequency. So for example, instead of working out one day a week with your legs, we're going to do two leg days a week. What we're going to do differently though, is one day instead of 20 sets, you're going to do just 10. The second day you work out your legs later in the week, you're going to do 10 sets. So it's still going to be 20 sets 
throughout the entire week, but you're splitting that into two days. Now, there's a few reasons why I love this one. Obviously, it's going to help you a little bit um, with reducing muscle soreness. With more frequency, as your body adjusts to the stimulants and the demands that you place on it, you do uh, tend to be a little bit less sore from that. But also, doing less sets each day, you're not because volume does normally equate to being sore. So with less volume per, per workout, you're going to feel less sore that. And I also like it too, because with 10 sets versus 20, sometimes less can be more in the sense you can focus a little bit more. Totally. You could be more intentional with those 10 sets. You could probably push yourself a little bit more with those 10 sets than those 20 sets. Because like we've talked about before, there, there's a point of diminishing returns with the amount of volume that you do, especially day-to-day during your training session. So just because you can do 20 sets that day with your legs or 30 or whatever you're currently doing doesn't mean it's optimal. So if you are getting sore, give that a shot. Do higher frequency. So maybe it's one go to the two days a week, like I said, and then cut the volume in half. So 10 sets on one day, 10 sets on another day. And just, I did want to throw out there, those are just random numbers. They don't necessarily mean anything. So don't take those literally. That is just an example. My, one of my sisters, actually, um, she was following some programming um, that she showed me a couple weeks ago. And I, if I remember correctly, is from a fitness influencer and, you know, had, had her doing, it must've been 25 or 30 sets per training session with her legs. And I think it was twice a week. So you're looking at depending on, you know, the training cycle, that's about 60 sets a week for legs. (laughs) So uh, not necessary for most people to do volume like that, but give that a shot, higher frequency, a little bit less volume on each day. Jake already said it um, in, in more words than this, but be willing to play with it. That's, that's the, that's for me, the take home with this is, you know, Jake used the example of 20 sets versus 10 sets, one times a week versus two times a week. Uh, as he said, those are just variables that are thrown in there for the sake of us saying something, right? We could have easily said, you know, five sets and 15 sets, whatever. Um, the idea behind it being that you're going to find your nice intersection between quality and quantity. Well, we never want to reduce quality, but you know, there is a quality quantity equation going on here. And the idea is that we want to find the optimal intersection of quality and quantity. And the, the target for that is going to be different depending on different days and depending on different sets of circumstance. So by Being willing to take this concept and play with it and see how it fits um, into our life, we can start to, uh, in a kind of fine-tuning way, start um, reducing our muscle soreness without, you know, you don't necessarily need to go from 20 sets and drop, you know, let me take a step back. I'm starting to introduce new ideas. Be willing to play. I'm just, let's leave it at that. Yep, it's that that constant refining process that you should do throughout your entire career mm-hmm. of going to the gym or participating in fitness in whatever way you do. It's the idea of refining and finding what works for you. Just because that fitness influencer says to do 30 sets 
in one day with your legs doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be best for you. So I love that advice, Clay, just to, to make sure you are willing to have an open mind about how much you need. And then just a, a quick um, way to know, like, how is this even working? So, of course, the main point today was your to for you to not be quite as sore. That was the main point today. But a, a very easy and tangible way to see, like, oh, is this working? One easy way is, am I getting stronger? So mm-hmm. that that's a very easy and somewhat black and white way to gauge um, and see your progress. All right, let's go into the Q&A for the day. And Clay and I alluded to this a little bit ago. And this is, what are some red flags when hiring a certified personal trainer? So I'm going to start with um, a few here. And then I'm a- actually going to list some that... I made the mistake of when I was a trainer. So I just want it to be clear that I've been guilty. Um, there's especially one of these that I was very guilty of, but there's a couple that I have been guilty of, especially, you know, when I was a new trainer. So the the very first one, and I would say I was at least slightly guilty of this when I was a brand new trainer, like, you know, right when I got certified. And that is if you're hiring a, per, uh, hiring a personal trainer, excuse me, and you start to notice they only have black and white thinking. Um, now, this goes into my second point. I'm going to combine these two, uh, if I can here, and is that they have all of the answers. That should be a very big red flag, not just the black and white thinking, but that they have all the answers. One thing in common that I've noticed from actual experts in fields, if they're asked a question... Yeah that doesn't have to do with their specialty, they will maybe give you a little bit of uh, anecdote or what they've heard, but they will say, this is not my specialty. I want to refer you to this person to give you a better answer. And it's going to be something like that. Or they'll say, you know, the evidence from what I've read points to this, you know, to answer your question. Uh, But I just, I love seeing that. I saw, um, Actually, he hasn't been on the podcast yet, hopefully in the future. But Dr. Bill Campbell puts out some great information. Um, On Sundays, he's actually been on my top fitness posts of the week, uh, Instagram posts that I do every Sunday. He's been on there a couple times. His information is fantastic. And he just posted a few days ago something about someone was asking him, you know, I have an elbow injury. Should I do these exercises? So basically the, the question answered, that would be more in the field of, a physical therapist. They would be the, right. you know, the go-to for an injury and coming back from an injury. So he basically said, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of his answer. And he, he's an expert uh, in his field and he's a professor and he, uh, most of his information is more, you know, like physique training related and human performance and um, that type of study and research field. Uh, but I just thought it was great, you know, hearing mm-hmm. him say, I don't know. <laughs> and then, you know, pointed people. Of course, I think it's great, though, if you if your trainer doesn't know, I think it's awesome if they either find the answer for you or they point you in the direction to someone that, you know, yeah. definitely would have the answer. So, and uh, but I'd say the other token of that, too, is that a lot of trainers, and this is, this is very common these days, a lot of trainers um, either will give out diet plans or at least have people ask them to give them diet plans. Um, specific diet plans. And if your trainer is willing to give you specific diet plans, that's a red flag too, because it's outside of our purview. It fits right into what Jake's talking about here. Um, A good trainer is not a trainer period, unless they have another certification or background that gives them, you know, credence 
um, they, they're, that's not their job. Their job is not, our job is not to tell people exactly what to eat. There's a, there's a position for that. It's called a, a registered dietitian. Yep. So that is a, that's a great point. And it gets very murky with what a trainer can do with people's nutrition. Yep. And that's, I, I'm assuming maybe that's why they came up with the nutrition coaching certification. Yep. Cause it is technically something different than a registered dietitian. Cause they're, uh, what they do, or a lot of what they do is, um, you know, helping someone with their meals and their diet to help um, treat a specific disease. I would say that's what they do most of the time. I know there's uh, other avenues that they do, but that's a great point, Clay, because uh, you don't hear that too much. Mm-hmm. A lot of trainers meal prep, mm-hmm. but it, it gets a little murky, though, yep. when you start doing something very specific. I think it's important that we, you know, of course we can help people in nutrition, especially, right. you know, nutrition coaches, but it's more, let's help them, you know, with behavior change and educating mm-hmm. them and all that stuff, not necessarily specific meal plans. I'm really happy that you pointed that out. I didn't have that on the notes, so that's fantastic. Guys, the driving home factor here is that anything that your trainer is willing to speak to, they sh- they should need to have the proper background to speak to it so if someone's talking to you about nutrition and here's the other thing jake just touched on this too because this gets even more convoluted um there are lots of people who consider themselves nutritionists out there and people who um are can give you nutrition guidance but they fall into a different area than trainers or registered dietitians right so there's there's a gradient here that makes addressing this um, a tricky issue. Um, but the context in any given situation is every, is, is really important in in almost everything. And to give you a specific example is the way that I get around, not get around this, but the way that I handle this is I say when a, because every trainer gets asked, okay, what should I be eating? And I say always first thing, you know, first and foremost, within the context of our training, these are the things that you can eat that are going to help you find success, whether it be in gaining, gaining muscle weight or uh, gaining strength, muscle weight, losing fat weight. And I speak specifically to the goals that we are shared goals and how they can adjust their nutrition relative to where it's at to get better results in the context of our work. Which is a very right. different thing than what a lot of trainers out of, you know, not having a better way to handle it are like, uh, okay, well, here's, here's what I would do, or here's what my, you know, my, what I anecdotally think is the right way to go because it's anecdotally. Cause if it was empirically based, well, not, not to say that they're not working from empirically based information, but typically speaking, you just don't, there's a process that comes with education and you should be following the people who have properly educated themselves. And, uh, and, and also to Jake's point, I think that you touched on this, uh, a really, someone who's a really good leader in terms of guidance and, and what, um, and the people who are really good at it are the people who are not the people who say, Oh yeah, I've got the answers. Like Jake said, it's the person who says, I'm not sure. Let's find the person who knows. And just one last point to add to that you reminded me. And then just another place that gets very murky if you're a personal trainer um, listening to this especially and you want to help people with their nutrition. So if someone comes to you and they want nutritional guidance, 
um, to help you know them with whatever goal they have, their weight loss journey, whatever it is. But say they have you know a condition like diabetes or something mm-hmm. like that, it gets very murky because yeah. just uh, because they ask you for help, it, but didn't say I you know help me with my diabetes. I, I don't. It just gets a little bit gray there. Mm-hmm. So it's probably best uh, that you don't do that if you're a trainer or if you're hiring a trainer. Just uh, keep that in mind if someone is trying to give you meal plans. An important part of this, too, is to recognize that our instinct, especially as young trainers, is to err on the side of, oh, I got you, because we feel like that's our job. Um, But in fact, for most people, especially those with a little more life experience, they are going to be more professionally impressed or whatever you want to call it by especially a young trainer's ability to say, hey, I don't know. Let's find this out. So we think as young trainers, the right answer to make somebody more confident in us is to say, hey, I know the answer. But the reality is, is by admitting truthfully that we don't know the answer, that's what actually instills confidence in the person who is coming to us because they're like, okay, I don't have to worry about this person giving me very wrong information. Not to say everybody, you know, trainers are humans and we're going to make mistakes. I've had to make two corrections on this podcast already. But uh, a good educator, a good instructor is going to do their best to teach you in the most effective, responsible way. And, um, and that's just, it's a really important when you're talking about your physicality. Um, do you really want somebody who doesn't know how to not hurt you to tell you how to do things? Yeah. Good point. All right, moving on to the next point, um, and this one is exaggerate what they can do for you mm-hmm. or be just very specific with results. So here's an example, mm-hmm. and I saw this uh, about a month ago. I think I brought it up on the podcast, mm-hmm. actually. So I saw a trainer who said he'd been in the industry for over 20 years, and he said, I help you gain 15 to 30 pounds of muscle in a month. Yeah. Now, having specific goals are great. Um, if you know, that's your thing, there's nothing wrong with having specific goals. Like say you did want to gain 15 to 30 pounds, but if a trainer tells you by going to them, you're going to gain this exact amount of weight in 30 days. One, it should be a red flag with how short of time that is because 30 pounds of muscle in a month, if you're not using a chemical enhancement, that is, you know, that's not going to happen. Uh, so that's an issue. And the second issue they don't know that. There's yeah. no way you can, can tell someone exactly what the results are. You can point to the direction. You can show um, some transformations, I guess, if you want, with other clients that you've had. But to tell someone you're going to exactly gain this amount of muscle in, in this time frame, I think that is a ginormous red flag. I mean, if someone is looking to gain muscle, you can confidently say, yes, you right. know, I'm going to help you with that. Um, but just be very careful if the, the trainer's telling you exactly how much you are going to gain, if we're talking about muscle muscle growth, um, in a set time. Because normally they are just full of it. If you're listening to us right now, you already know that everything that we're talking about here is ultimately relative. Um, so if everything is ultimately relative, how does it... Is it possible that there are one size fits all, all programs? You know what I mean? If everything's relative, that means that a truly nuanced, thoughtful, um, results driven program 
I actually want to take a step back. I want to throw one more and say, amongst all of this information, also learn to trust yourself. If you're working with somebody and, you know, you may not have seen one of these specific things, but you still have a feeling like, eh, it just doesn't feel quite right. Take a second, look at this list, go back and listen to these things. Actually, if anything, well, you know what we should do, Jake, is we should, we should post some information and have that available so that people can use that as a reference because that would be a it. really great tool. Yeah. Yeah. We can do it on uh, Instagram or do it in our forum or something. That's a great idea. I would even, yeah, and maybe we can find somewhere to have it like as a permanent fixture even because as, or well, I mean, it could be through those as well, but as you're going through and, you know, considering all these processes and, you know, it's a lot of stuff. Jake and I know this. We've got multiple, you know, we've got multiple de- Yeah, I think we got multiple de- or a couple decades worth of experience. Mm-hmm. Mostly Jake. Yep. Jake's been doing it longer. I've been doing it for about four or five years. But um, we have that knowledge that we're coming to it. Don't expect yourself to come in and be like, okay, what were all the things Jake said and Clayton said about red flags? But if you're working with somebody and something feels off and you feel like, you know, your gut's like, Oh, this doesn't feel right. Trust that feeling, analyze a little bit, not to say, you know, just cause you feel that way that that's an accurate feeling, but be willing to question it. And, um, you know, if you go back and any of these things pop up and you see one or two or whatever things that people are doing, then you're going to know, and you're going to be able to either move on and try somebody new, or you can address it with that person. Maybe they're just new and learning themselves. Um, you know, there's so much nuance in this that the really important thing, in my opinion, to take from all these stuffs is that there is not a right answer. There is not a um, there are definitely wrong answers, right? There's not necessarily one right answer. There's a lot of right answers, but there are some really wrong answers and you keeping this as a list. Um, and again, we're, we're going to try to make this a physical list so you guys can read it. Um, this is really going to help you figure out whether, you know, this is the right person for you. Cause there's a lot of people out there and not everybody's charlatans the way we talk about. Some people are just not very good. There's a lot of people yep. that are just not not that great, and you know we'll probably not be doing it in another couple of years. There's a lot of a lot of turnover in this business, um, so you know you got to be willing to experiment. And uh, moving on to the next point, this one irks me to the core. Uh, I don't think I was guilty of this, and I hope I wasn't. This one really, really, really irks me though, and I I've seen this a lot mm. at the gym that I currently go to. And this is when you are performing movements, if you are the client. The trainer doesn't look at you, at least most of the time, and just stares at their clipboard. This one irks me to my core. How are they supposed to be coaching, correcting, doing any of that with your movements if they're not even watching? Yep. So I, I see when I see that, I see a few things. Maybe it's a new trainer that doesn't know better, but I more see someone, a trainer that is very burnt out and is just yeah. looking to check the boxes as you go. And it, I don't want you to run away if your trainer pulls up a clipboard or something, right. but I there's a certain trainer that I've seen a lot, and his clients are doing the movements, and he's like just looking down, just do, and I'm just like, come on, man. Uh, so that is a huge red flag if they're not even going to be there to coach you. Now, I I don't think necessarily a trainer every rep needs to be cueing you every single right. like they need to watch you at least though, and then yeah. you know have the ability to talk about it after you're done with your set so you can make corrections or improvements with your movement. 
you want to feel like your trainer is engaged with you, right? If you clipboard, phone, piece of paper with a program on it aside, regardless of how much they happen to be looking down or looking up at you, you are going to have a feeling about whether you feel like they're there present with you, engaged with you. Um, It's impossible, impossible to do really high level training and not be engaged. It's possible to do decent training and not be engaged. I'm not saying, you know, there's plenty of trainers out there who are like, don't have to be actively be engaged every minute and still give you great value. But the best value is always going to be the result of it is always going to be as a trainee, as a client, you're always, you're going to feel, you're not going to wonder whether your trainer's there with you. If you're, if you're wondering whether they're present with you, that's something to consider. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to go to find somebody else, or maybe you bring it up with them and they just change some of their behavior to, you know, cause maybe they were engaged. But they just aren't very good at expressing that. But step one to figuring out the answer is you got to figure out the problem. And so, you know, if, if the problem is that, you know, if I, if you don't feel engaged, if you don't feel like your trainer is there with you, you feel like your trainer says, okay, you do this. And then looks at his clipboard for the entire set. It's probably time to figure something else out, whether that's addressing that with that trainer or finding somebody else. And uh, next point here is they don't ever educate you. They just program workouts mm. for you. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another one. Um, I feel like this one can be uh, from a, a place of being naive or new. Totally. As a trainer, um, this I wouldn't completely go to uh, this person's just terrible. Yeah. Uh, but if someone is just programming workouts for you and there's no education piece at all, um, you know, it doesn't need to be like a lecture every time you guys meet up, but if there's no educational piece or them, you know, answering why you're doing certain things or, or what it is, then you might as well, you know, spend a quarter of the money and just pay for someone to program workouts that you enjoy. The, the trainer being there, part of it is they're supposed to educate you with what they're doing or a good trainer at least. Yeah. Well, it's the whole, it comes back to the old phrase of, you know, teach a man to, to fish or you're sorry. What is it? Can I can either teach, help a man catch a, catch a fish or teach him a fish. I don't know. I'm butchering the phrase, but you guys oh, all yeah, know yeah. You it, said right? it the other day. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. It's like the idea is there, do we want to teach some, do we want to help somebody figure, help somebody do it? Or do we want to help somebody learn how to do it on their own? And it's a clear answer. Is this not, it's not it's not one of those questions that is like there's debate amongst trainers. (laughs) There's a clear answer because the reality is, is a good trainer doesn't want you to only be able to do it when they're with you. A good trainer wants you to learn how to do it in your life so that when they're not with you, you don't get hurt. And that's the, that's the, that's the real value of all this work in a lot of ways is forget about all of the building muscle, losing fat weight, uh, better, better self-esteem and all that. If you can just be more effective, you know what I mean? You can just, you can just do it. And it's like creating autonomy for them. Yes, exactly. What's the, what's the point? What's the point of me teaching all these people how to work out if they can only do it while they're paying me? You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a, it's a self-serving, uh, scarcity mindset um, behavior that um, is, you know, is not conducive to the ultimate goal of you um, becoming more effective, efficient, happier, and healthier. And the Autonomous. next point is 
pretty self-explanatory and <laughs> another big pet peeve of mine personally is them being late or I would yeah. say chronically late obviously chronically late uh, stuff does happen we all know that but to it was me, late this morning shit <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't chronically do that often, late but... is more more accurate so to me there is not an easier way to tell a client that you don't care or yeah. don't take it seriously respect them are, Exactly. If they're always chronically late, it would drive me crazy when clients were late too. When oh, I yeah. when I was training people, but at least you're getting so, paid though as the as the trainer. You know that payment yeah. starts at whether they're there or not. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Moving on to the next point. Here is the one that I was most guilty of out of all of these. This is the one where um, I I was yeah. We'll just leave it at that. I was really <laughs> guilty. Every workout they program for you leaves you on the ground in a pool of sweat to where you can barely breathe. So point being, every workout is super high intensity uh, every time to where you feel like you're going to die at the end. Now, most people that are getting training from a certified trainer doesn't need to feel like that every time. I would even go as far as saying most workouts should make you feel good and energized when yeah. you're done. Now, if we look more you know, down the down the road of like athletes and people that are preparing for very specific things, you you can make the argument where there's going to be days like that, that we're pushing yourself. Uh, but if that's a normal thing and you're going in there you know, to get healthier and just, you know, want some training, then you shouldn't be laying in a puddle of your own sweat yeah. and struggling to breathe at the end of every workout. So let me put a little emphasis on this. You're hearing this from, from two guys who played, grew up playing football and, uh, and other sports where you learn you just kept going. And one of whom, Jake, who has lots of years of CrossFit experience, which is, again, very much like keep going, keep pressing, right? So oh, yeah. if these two people who have a lot of experience with pressing and pushing and pressing and pushing and, and ending up in a pool of sweat are saying, hey, there's not really a lot of value beyond there's 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 value, but the value is X, Y, and Z, not encompass over you know it's not universal right so specifically for me every once in a while i will in the right situations bring a client through a workout that really really busts their butt but the purpose is not to bust their butt for me when i bring a client through that workout it's so that it's to give the client the opportunity to learn that they have the ability to push themselves farther than they think that Love they can that. Right. I love that. But that's the value. The value is not in them being sweaty on the ground. Right. So if the value is them getting a win out of it and learning something about themselves in the process, what good does that do to continuously hammer them over the head with that? And every single time it go, it, what it does is it switches a really empowering win for your client into um, a blunt hammer that you hit them over the head with every time you see them. And so what are we really doing? Are we trying to are we trying to hammer our clients' bodies into good shape? Or are we trying to help them learn to be, again, not to hit my taglines, but happier, healthier, more efficient, more effective in their day-to-day -day lives? I'll tell you what, for most of us, sitting in a pile of our sweat and um, anxiety and not anxiety, that's my own, but our own sweat and exhaustion and tears. <laughs> it does not, does not, that, that isn't conducive to sustain long-term sustainability. So if we're busting our ass, even, even one time with the wrong client, if that ends up with them leaving you and not working out continuously, then we've, 
not only lost sight in what we're there to do, but we've compounded the issue that the client came to us with to begin with, which is that they need to learn how to make exercise a daily or, you know, a regular part of their life. Absolutely. And moving on to our very last point for the day is the process is more about the trainer inflating their own ego than helping you succeed. Now, here's just a, a very small example of this. If they always talk to you in big sciencey words all the time, when they're doing that intentionally, so you don't even understand them. So I guess you could say they're trying to show off with how Mm -hmm. smart they are to you versus actually trying to help you, then that is definitely a red flag. I'm not saying a trainer can't ever use some type of medical term or some type of word that has to do with, you know, what they learned during their personal training certification with anatomy or physiology or any of that stuff. But you don't need to try to talk like you're a physician when you train someone. You know, I, I think most of the time, some of the uh, smartest, best, highest level people in their field, the one of the things like the cherry on top for them to be that good is being able to break down this very complex and very hard to understand subjects, which is the human body has <laughs> a bunch right. of that, right? It, they take this and they present it to you and articulate it in a very digestible, easy way to understand. So I'm not saying they can't ever say a sciencey sounding word, yeah. but it does become an issue when it's literally just about them inflating their own ego. I would even add into that, that sometimes the inflating the ego is based off of a core lack of confidence. Oh, um, good point. And so you have to remember that, you know, your trainer is a person with flaws and um, that probably, not even probably, it happens, even even tr- like great trainers and people who will be great trainers one day are going to make these mistakes. We're bringing this information to you having made these mistakes ourselves and oh, yeah. come out the other side better and we're going to make more mistakes tomorrow, but we're going to learn from them and we're going to keep growing. So when we're talking about red flags of a trainer, don't take this to mean if you see one of these or even two of these that you have to run screaming out of the building, right? But be aware of them. And if you're seeing, especially there are a couple of these that are more red flaggy than others. Right. If you're seeing them and you're seeing them being, you know, this trainer is instructing you to do them repeatedly, you've got, you've probably got some, some problems. So it comes back to the idea of trusting your intuition and trusting that, um, you know, this is all a process. This is a process for you. This is a process for them. Uh, nothing's perfect. Um, but there are some really, really, um, massive misleadings that are inherent into this business. And these red flags are going to help you to avoid the people who one may be trying to get, you know, your money in their pocket at your expense or two are just young or naive or, or, or just, you know, haven't learned that specific lesson yet. So, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, but make sure that you are never, if something feels wrong, it's wrong. All right, everyone, let's go through those uh, one more time uh, real quick. So red flags when hiring a trainer. 
They only have black and white thinking. They think they have all of the answers. They exaggerate the goals and things that they're trying to promise you. So guaranteed results. They don't watch your movements while you are performing them. They never educate you on anything. They just program workouts for you. They are chronically late. Every workout leaves you on the floor in a puddle of your own sweat and mm-hmm. uh, having struggle breathing. The process is more about them than it is about you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the show. And if you would like to leave us a review, you can scroll down there on the bottom of your phone. It'll take just a few seconds to do so. If you leave us a nice review, it'll help grow our show tremendously. So be greatly appreciated. If you would like to find us on Instagram, you can find us at Mission Driven Made. And lastly, we created a free online fitness platform called The Forum. So it's a place you can go to converse with other listeners of the podcast. It's a place you can go to ask Clayton or I questions. And this can be anything from fitness, mindset, nutrition, lifestyle, any of that. We are there to answer your questions. And if I didn't mention already, it's on Facebook. So if you type in on Facebook, Mission Driven Made The Forum, you'll find us there. It takes about three seconds to sign up. You can also find the link for it in the show description all right everyone we hope you have a fantastic rest of your day much love to all of you and until next time stay mission driven